Hello and welcome back to Fuse Bites. Today we're so excited to be speaking with Ashley Arnold and Robert Beasley of Pax8 and our very own Richie Pandey. This awesome group joins us to talk Nepal, rural empowerment, technology, and more. Here's the conversation. Okay, so why don't, why don't we start with introductions? Um, and how about Ruchi? How about you going first? Yes, absolutely. So hi, everyone, and um, thank you, C, uh, for hosting this episode. Um, so, so my name is Ruchi Pandey, and my title at Fuse Machines is Senior Director of Public Relations and Communications. Um, Although I traditionally started out uh, my career, my first career was as an engineer many moons ago. (laughs) Um, And uh, when I quickly realized that that was not something I was too eager to do, but rather tell fun stories, um, I decided to pursue a master's in PR from NYU. And since then, my engineering career has been a history. I've been in PR and over the years have worked with a number of clients across financial services, healthcare, insurance, um, real estate, and so on. And finally found my way into Fuse Machines, where I'm working as my, this is my first in-house public relations role, and it's been a really great journey so far. Excellent. And um, most of those positions, as I recall, you had in New York, and you moved to Kathmandu, what, a year plus ago? Yes, it's been a year and a half ago. So as background, I was born and raised in Kathmandu, then shipped off to India at the age of 13. Um, And I did most of my education in India before I moved to New York. So after living in New York for about 10 years, where where most of my professional career was in PR, um, we decided to pack our bags, move back home to family. Um, And in the process, um, I've had the pleasure of working across teams um, with the team of Fuse Machines team across different um, global offices as well as mostly here in Nepal. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Ashley, how would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ashley Arnold. Um, I'm the Rural Empowerment Manager at Pax8. Thank you for having us on today. Um, I started my career in um, accounting, actually, Um, and uh, I went to school um, and received my degree in accounting, and um, I served as an executive vice president of a data company, um, and that's how I kind of got my start into tech. Um, My family is very tied to the technology industry. I'm a a third-generation technologist, and um, I have been around data um, and information systems most of my career. Thank you. And when did you join uh, Pax8? I had the opportunity to join Pax8 in August of 2020 um, to kick off the Rural Empowerment Program, and it has been an absolutely great journey the entire time. We're always growing and learning new things about our people and culture and um, embracing a growth mindset. Wonderful. Bob, would you like to share your personal journey? Sure. Thank you. As what? I'm sorry. I said as an intro. Oh, as an intro. Yes. Um, First of all, let me thank you for inviting us to this uh, podcast. Uh, my name is Bob Beasley, and I work for Pax8 in their Emerging Empowerment Programs as a research analyst. Um, my background is in academic research. Uh, way far back in my career, 
Uh, I was an adventure travel leader, and that's how I um, first had my introduction to Nepal. But actually, I'm, I'm pretty new to the tech world, having been in academic research up till this position. But uh, I'm enjoying my research with PAX8 extremely uh, enthusiastically. Mm -hmm. So that's about it. And I recall that you did some research in Nepal. Yes. Uh, for my master's and PhD degrees from Cornell, I did research in Nepal because of my connection there. Uh, established previously as an adventure travel leader, I found Nepal extremely uh, interesting and fascinating. So I decided if I was going to do research, I wanted to do it in Nepal. Great. Well, <clears throat> I'll introduce myself briefly. So I'm C. Bunovich, but in the last century, I was Carol. I thought when the new century came, I should upgrade my name. My background before joining Fuse um, seven years ago, it's hard to believe it's been seven years, was in finance um, for most of my professional life. I actually, prior to that, had some ex experience in publishing and even in education. So I'm somebody uh, who has done many different things. And uh, I would say that my latest um, chapter at Fuse has been very exciting. Being part of a startup has been an outstanding experience for me. So why don't we go through some of these questions? Um, and I will start with um, both Bob and Ashley. You have a passion for rural empower empowerment. Can you share a little bit about what inspired you? So uh, for me, my experiences in Nepal in rural areas uh, showed me there's a tremendous amount of talent in rural areas that is often uh, not seen nor actually understood by outsiders. Uh, it is a, it's a resource that is highly undervalued and uh, I think has tremendous potential. Um, I found that Nepalese villagers are extremely resourceful basically because they have to. There's still places in Nepal where villagers have to walk for six hours to get to uh, the nearest road transportation. Right. So this, uh, this experience they have of having to do it for themselves, figure it out for themselves, develops a lot of grit and it actually translates into a lot of very valuable untapped potential. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Ashley? Yeah, so my passion for rural empowerment really comes with um, my passion for technology. You know, I'm a technologist at heart. Um, but most importantly, um, the opportunity that um, rural empowerment um, brings to uh, the workplace is, is really um, inspiring. Um, when you start to look at a global mindset and understand the world without borders, you see that you can really um, provide some connective tissue to not only the tech industry, but also to opportunities within um, the organization to um, really uh, bring a different point of view to the organization and also um, not um, not leave part of 
part of the world out, right? Um, and, and, yeah. and just say you need to be in an urban location. And so now that we're demystifying geolocation and where people are, what they're in the business of doing, and now that they can work um, across borders and, and remotely and hybridly, um, I understand now that um, there's a whole uh, community aspect to rural empowerment that is truly inspiring. Um, and being at a company like Pax8, uh, providing job quality and job creation in, in communities and being a stable and primary employer in the communities is really um, inspiring and um, fruitful work. Understood. Um, it's truly, it truly makes you feel good. I, yes. I get it. Um, Ashley, if I can ask you yet another question. So what's been your most successful program so far and why? And what's been the most challenging one and why? Yeah, so um, if we could just pause for one second. Um, I'm a little out of order. So um, our most successful program has been the Rural Empowerment Program at Pax8. Um, and uh, the reason that it's been a challenge is uh, so much of what we're doing, we represent today at Pax8, eight rural communities distributed throughout the state of Colorado, because that's how we started. And right. One of the surprises um, that really wasn't a challenge was just having everybody in a different area, you know, hours apart. So what started as a challenge of uh, as we start to look at hybrid work and coming back, um, we realized was actually a blessing as our teams are distributed and they lean on each other every day. Um, to to accomplish their goals and our OKRs and uh, achieve um, and deliver the great products that Pax8 has to offer, but they do it from different locations. And so what looked like a, a disparity of um, being far away actually has brought us more together. Wow, that's impressive. Um, yeah, I, I often think the things we've been forced to do um, during the last couple of years because of COVID, have taught us new skills and helped us, I think, be better workers. So you never know when you're forced to uh, to challenge yourself in a new environment, what good is going to come from it. Um, and if I might ask you just one more question now, how have you found technology and your experience with data analytics aiding your problem-solving approaches? Sure. Um, so uh, we use data um, to inform decision, not decisions, not make them right. And if mm -hmm. you um, kind of uh, if you study the data and you really listen to it, it helps you find and perform gap analysis. Right. Um, for example, yes. before we commit to a rural community, we do a community readiness assessment built around 17 data metrics to help us understand gap analysis and drive empowerment initiatives. So by listening to the data, we're able to really um, bring a holistic approach to what exactly our outcomes are going to be, right? And sometimes we see something that's um, a correlation that is not easily under, you know, it doesn't easily expose itself. And so by listening to data, we really see a holistic picture of um, the problem we're trying to solve and not only the problem, but um, helping us be a little more agile uh, 
And um, data and technology really help us um, do that. And they allow us with the tools and tricks to um, be in a hybrid workplace and accomplish great things with teams that are in different locations with was the connectivity. This, was this your first experience in the hybrid workplace? Uh, I've been working remotely, uh, I want to say, since about 2015. Um, I've been in a remote environment personally. Okay. So you had you had personal experience before you um, engaged in it with the Pax8 teams. Exactly, exactly. I, I have been working on a team uh, with some consultants, uh, data consultants, actually, from the East Coast. And so I was working in Colorado covering East Coast and West Coast time zones. And, um, it, it, you know, it was, uh, you know, learning to embrace the remote style of working yeah. uh, really prepared me for um, deploying a program like this at PAX 8. Excellent. Ruchi, um, when you returned to Nepal, what changes did you see around education and economic development? What stood out in your mind when you first returned? Yeah, so there were so many things. Um, and there was also always in the fact that a couple of things that, you know, reminded you of home hadn't really changed, which was just the scenic beauty. But coming to um, education and economic development, uh, the biggest transition since I had originally left Nepal, which was to go to a boarding school in India when I was 13, is I think access to information. And the internet has a big role to play in that, of course. Uh, but all of a sudden now, people are more of an enterprising mindset. Um, and I think things like TikTok or Instagram, which has given people the autonomy of creating their own businesses um, as you know, brand influencers or um, participating in um, um, businesses that that help advance their careers, which potentially was not a thing um, back when I had gone out to seek better education opportunities, which is why I had left the country in the first place, um, was, was not as commonplace is uh, people didn't think of creating their own business opportunities or job opportunities. And that sort of mindset shift, which has been uh, made possible due to access to technology, has been really rewarding to watch. Um, the other aspect, which is, again, tech driven, is how um, people have, have adopted changes like, um, you know, how they, they uh, process their payments. Like fintech is such a big mm -hmm. uh, industry uh, all of a sudden in Nepal. Um, but the biggest, I think the biggest shift is really because of this enterprising culture, because of this um, curiosity around new technologies and new tech enabled abilities, uh, people are more eager to learn about what's the prospect for them here in Nepal. And that's why probably at Fuse Machines, we're seeing a good uh, reception to our programs like the AI Fellowship Program, which is then telling people that you don't have to leave your country. If you are, you are talented, we will teach you AI. And for them, giving them the confidence that yes, I, if I stay back, I not only learn the skills, but I might also end up doing something of my own or end up working for a company like Fuse Machines, right? So overall, it's a fair mix of mindset shift as well as, you know, adoption of um, tech-enabled changes. Thank you. That's extremely interesting. And um, I hope it continues because the brain drain that um, often, you know, younger, smaller countries have in the end is it's very sad, right? If all the most talented people go abroad and then don't return. But in your case, you did return. 
So yes. um, a lot of us at Fuse Machines, which makes me really happy to have found a home here. Yep. Um, Bob, let's turn to you. Okay. Why, is, why is empowering people in rural communities important? What economic and technological advances can we expect from it? And do you find that there's a greater need for education and awareness around technologies in, in rural areas? And if so, why? So I think empowering people in rural communities is important because um, they're full of smart, capable people who historically have had to move out of their hometowns to pursue tech careers. Mm -hmm. and, um, offering jobs, meeting people where they are, allows them to stay in their communities with their community connections and their loved ones. So I think they have a wealth of untapped um, potential that bringing jobs to rural communities helps open. Uh, in terms of greater need for education and awareness around technology, yes, I think uh, a lot of people in rural areas aren't aware that they have skills that can either be upskilled or taught new skills that relate to tech uh, right. in a way that they can actually uh, find work in a rural community in the tech industry. So PAX-8's uh, Rural Empower Empowerment Program connects geographically uh, dispersed talent and the job creation that can build communities. So actually hybrid work options help us um, reach top talent where they are, uh, independent of where technology jobs are traditionally offered. Right. So this in turn helps build economic development as industries return and skilled, uh, skilled positions are easier to find all without having to leave. And the other thing I think that's important is that we found that there's an economic multiplier effect, which is yes. for every one job we bring to a rural community, five secondary jobs are maintained and often new jobs are created. That's a very good point. Um, it's the multiplier effect. And the reverse is true when there's a brain drain, right? And the stores close and the factories close because the talent felt there was no opportunity in the, in these areas. So, right. yep. Ruchi, may I ask you, what are three things needed to implement rural empowerment properly in your mind? Yes, um, this is such an important um, question, C, and I think there's a laundry list of things, but if I had to pick three, I think I would begin with education. So um, the number one thing that resonated for me as Fuse Machines as an employer was this whole narrative about the company uh, with, you know, talent is everywhere, opportunities are not, and things that Bob alluded to earlier as well, right? So uh, to, to make, to create those opportunities, education, I think, is the number one thing. But when we think about education, we immediately go and think about education schools and colleges. But uh, this education should also encompass things like awareness, early awareness, grassroots level of awareness all, for all stakeholders within a community. So that extends to you know, parents of children or government leaders. Um, so they know what is the kind of education that actually ends up adding value to the socioeconomic status of any community. 
So once we figured the education part, again, which is a really big, massive thing to figure, we go ahead and think about how do we go and implement it? And infrastructure is where we see a lot of the barriers starting to take shape. Um, in the rural areas, specifically in Nepal, access to internet remains a big challenge. Access to good devices where people can work from. Um, and right now, remote work being such a big thing, if we were to say, you know, you can join um, um, XYZ company or work for so-and-so client, the basic thing they need is access to laptops. And unfortunately, people don't have that. And even uh, for, for teaching, right, for the education aspect I mentioned earlier, there are not just enough avenues for people to actually say, OK, so I will pursue XYZ route and, um, you know, I will have a laptop set so that I can take online classes. So this level of infrastructure, which is device as well as, you know, the broader Internet um, level of infrastructure really ends right. up being a challenge. And uh, finally, I would say. It's coming together of the, you know, the it's uh, which I alluded to earlier as well is the mind shift change. But we need what we really need is a strong strategic partnership across different layers or across different stakeholders. So whether right. it's education institutions who need to partner with businesses and say, you know, um, let's have our interns, our students come and intern with you. Um, or um, a business, local businesses in rural communities lobbying with government um, leaders and saying, you know, could you provide a subsidized access to laptops so that I could set up an IT department of my own and I don't have to pay a certain amount for outsourcing. So making sure that these key stakeholders have some kind of a regular interaction forum, they, they know what, what, what matters to their communities and come up with like strong strategic plans to help foster rural empowerment. I think the, that, that would really help move the needle. Thank you. Bob, in the programs that you are involved in, who are the stakeholders? And you could, could you describe a little bit how you're able to get buy-in from them? Sure. So uh, stakeholders are largely public-private partnerships. And one of our main uh, stakeholders are economic development organizations, EDOs. Yep. So we go into every community with the EDO uh, to advance job quality and work on job creation. In addition to that, we also partner with education, educational institutions uh, to uh, create job pipelines. For example, we do what we call what is a job in tech like in senior high school classes mm -hmm. to raise awareness and answer questions. And we've gotten very enthusiastic uh, response to that from the schools we've been involved in. And we also work with uh, school systems on their STEAM curriculum. Yep. So STEM with yay. In terms yeah, of yeah, I know STEAM. Uh, yep. Right, yeah. And uh, we also partner with uh, higher education right. to make students aware as they're reaching graduation of the various tech positions they can fill. Uh, and as far as uh, uh, engagement, making contact, and we, we do that by um, – making contact with these various public private partnerships mm -hmm. and explaining what we do and how it benefits the community. Excellent. And which stakeholders have you personally found most receptive to the Paxate approach, so to speak? Well, definitely it's in the public private partnerships. So uh -huh. EDOs, economic yep. development organizations, 
employees, uh, educational institutions, potential employees, and, and the community. We do a lot of work with uh, um, community organizations like uh, Rotary Club, philanthropic organizations, and uh, institutions yep. like that. Great. Ashley, in your opinion and experience, what have been the, the challenges in advancing these rural opportunities? What has deterred um, projects from moving forward? Sure, great question. So a lot of what um, Bushi said uh, about uh, infrastructure, right, and accessibility um, and mobility to to the gateway that we call the internet, right? Um, in a lot of rural areas, sometimes that infrastructure is not a, a, a steady, always on situation. And so um, we work a lot with um, with uh, the communities that we work in to ensure that the connectivity is there and the infrastructure is there and and, and we show our support at the community level um, in ways that we can help. But another way that um, has deterred advancing uh, rural opportunities has really been the misconception about urban versus rural locations, right? Um, where is the talent? Um, you know, if you understand that the talent is meeting people where they are. Um, you really start to, to see those transferable skills into technology um, and, and, and into pathways that can upskill or or perhaps do a career pivot. And I think that one of the um, one of the most difficult uh, answers is it's not as simple as putting an open job out. Right. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if you're not completely invested in the community at a hyper local level, uh, you cannot get the buy in you need to drive a program like this. Right. And and when mm -hmm. I say the community, I'm talking about the Board of Education. I'm talking about the EDOs. I'm talking about right. the mayors. I'm talking about, um, you know, the Boys and Girls Clubs. And so when you start to look at the pipeline with all those layers going on and you look at the fact that we take a very holistic approach, not taking that approach leaves out segments of the population. And what we're really trying to do is diversify the economy through tech jobs. And in order to do that, you have to have um, the backing of Pax8, right? Uh, you know, the, the notion that we want to meet people where they are and we understand G that 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 means three different things. It means meeting people where they are culturally. It means meeting people where they are mm -hmm. um, professionally and also at the very least means me meeting people where they are geographically. And so those those braiding of the talent pipelines and the braiding of the public-private partnerships that we do without that um, connective tissue that we provide, we, we risk leaving segments of the population out that are underrepresented in rural communities. And we don't want to do that, right? Right. So, and, and Bob, one final question. Um, PAX 8, um, I get, I don't know what's the right term, but PAX 8 technology providers go out into the community and work with small businesses. Am I correct in that analysis? Yes. Okay. And how, um, how are we helping them get the technology that they need or, you know, how is Pax8 doing this in today's environment? And has Pax8 been able to succeed in this area? Yes, I'd say we have, to this date, succeeded quite well, and we're expanding our reach internationally. So 
we have the potential to reach a lot, a lot more of these smaller uh, independent shops. So, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the technology they need, some of them have it, but, um, you know, technology is advancing at an exponential rate. So right. um, what's necessary for a lot of uh, these smaller um, mom and pop shops is they need to be made aware of, of the advancing technology. And a lot of that has to do with upskilling. So for example, we work a lot with what are called managed service providers, which are basically mm -hmm. independent IT solutions providers. And right. a lot of these are smaller mom and pop um, companies. So uh, when they join Pax8 as a partner, we do a lot of upskilling for them. We have a learning and development program, which has over a thousand different uh, offerings. And we do virtual and live um, upskilling programs. So basically Pax8 works with providers to provide simplifying buying of cloud solutions. And we're a leading provider of the cloud technologies that these small IT professionals use to use. Uh, so I don't know, did that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Um, before we conclude, I'd just like to open it up to Ruchi, Ashley, Bob. Is there anything we didn't cover that you think is important for our audience to understand in the um, in the transformation of rural communities in bringing them into the 21st century technology age? Right, that's what this is all about. So, anything sure. we missed that you want to comment on? There is one thing that that we we missed, and I I do want to call it out. And um, one of the reasons that we are agile enough to support these communities is because of our culture at Paxi. And I'm sure you guys find in 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 your work the incredible work culture that you have in the organization bleeds out to a lot of the community development we do. So you know we work with the Pax8 experience, which is um, what what our values are is we advocate for our partners, we innovate continuously, we celebrate our wins, and we elevate each other. And 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 we live those values, right? And because yeah. we live those values, we know who we are. We have an identity. We're able to provide that connective tissue to the community as being a, 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 a mature um, contributor to job quality because we, you know, that experience and that culture is so much of who we are. We haven't lost it, you know, and we maintain it very well through the Pax8 experience. And I think if you're going to look at um, driving change in any of these communities, you really need to understand the culture piece of the organization and its people, right? And Absolutely. that's that's, that's what hold, holds us together. Yes, that's, you say it very well, the connected connected tissue. Yep. That is what pulls you together. Thank you. Ruchi, anything you want to add? Yes, yeah, so it's kind of in line with what Ashley said, um, but more specifically uh, to the, the idea of diversity. And that, that word could mean so many different things to people, right? But I like to think of it as simply as representation within a community. Um, mm -hmm. And this is especially um, a, a passion point for me is women in leadership of, of female diversity or gender diversity. Because when I started in college, um, I was in a class of about 70 students, five of them were girls. 
that's like mm-hmm. um, not a great number. You know, you, you don't want to brag about that number. But today I'm working for an organization that is um, empowering women leaders. We have about 40% in the management team at Fuse Machines. Um, and that to me is such an encourage, encouraging number, which means leaders, when they are thinking about diversity, of course, it doesn't necessarily just have to be gender diversity. I'm biased um, in, in terms of that, that sect of diversity. Right. But- when leaders have to think about it, they, they should make conscious de- decisions to advance, you know, diversity within their organizations, uh, find ways to upskill, reskill uh, people from that particular groups, whether it's, you know, uh, racial diversity focused or gender diversity focused, bring them forward. And when it comes to people who are looking for that change, uh, you know, Sheryl Sandberg is known to say lean in. She's written a book about it. I will right. also sort of, I'm a big um, proponent of that thinking is if you don't want to be part of the change, that will most likely not happen. And especially coming from um, a company that talks about AI, where a lot of the reasons uh, cited by people who are against AI become stems from the mistrust of AI and the fact that AI, is, uh, you know, um, spits out biased information or biased decision making. Right. Yeah. And that bias cannot go away till people who are building those models realize that this is where the bias is seeping in and that won't happen till you have a diverse set of people building those models so again i i want to drive home the idea that diversity will be a big big um, component of social empowerment rural empowerment yes thank you for sharing that that's extremely important bob was there any last thought that you wanted to share well, I think I just would like to re-emphasize that we should not undervalue the amount of untapped talent there is in rural communities that's basically just waiting to be utilized. Yes. Uh, here at Pax 8, we found there's a great deal of talent that is waiting to be met where they are. They don't necessarily want to be forced to move out of their community to an urban area to get Nor these Nor do we want them to. Nor do we want them to, exactly. Right. Um, right. So uh, I would just say, I think organizations, industries need to really look at this urban rural um, playing field and try and even it out. And it's a win-win for everybody, basically. You know, if we look at, for example, um, service, uh, customer service industry, which has largely been exported out of the USA to other countries, um, a lot of that Pax8 has found can be done in country and it, it meets people where they are in these rural communities. So I think there's huge advantages to reconsidering and valuing the potential that is in rural communities and trying to connect jobs with those communities. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, thank you for reiterating that. Um, well, this has been really enjoyable. I want to thank each of you for your participation and congratulate all of us for yet another uh, Fuse Bites episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you to all the participants, and thank you so much, Steve. Thanks for listening to Fuse Bites. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you'll join us next time. Let us know what you think with a review or comment. Our next episode will be out in a month, and you can find us on Apple or Spotify. See you then.